0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me is... John Biles. We have John Biles here. John, I want to thank you again for your patience, because we had a full hour of harrowing technical difficulties (laughs) before getting to this point.
1: Well, patience is part of being a teacher, so (laughs) I am a university professor, and right now I'm having to deal with possibly the dumbest person on earth. Not you, but one of my students who is an amazing moron, who basically bought the wrong textbook and did not realize until this week it was the wrong textbook.
0: How deep into the semester are you?
1: We started in January.
0: Yeah. That's unfortunate. So,
1: yes. This, this, I mean, I, I did once have a student who took two weeks to realize it was not a math course, and then they started attending the correct course. Out of so, curiosity,
0: I, what do you teach?
1: Uh, I teach history. Uh, mostly, they want me to teach U.S. history because there's a billion sections of it. And so... I am currently teaching both halves of US history online. Uh, We basically went out the spring break and as the uh, quarantine, or as the coronavirus got worse, they said, we're giving you three weeks to convert all your classes to online classes. So now I'm teaching online.
0: Yeah, interesting times to be a professor for sure. Yes. I'm a substitute teacher, so I'm just out of work at the moment, but thanks to being a part of a strong substitute union, we're actually getting some pay for the time being, which is nice.
1: Well, that's pretty nice. (laughs) That is nice.
0: I've also taught U.S. history before, uh, summer school, but that's like a a two-and-a-half-week course. It Mm -hmm. it has at least the advantage of, like, you can't cover everything anyway, so you kind of get to pick what you're interested in teaching, to some extent.
1: That's cool. (laughs)
0: Anyway, those same technical difficulties that are getting us started late have kind of precluded anyone else from joining um, for mysterious reasons. Dom was going to be in on it, but instead it's just going to be you and me for today. Which is fine, because I am, out of all of us, the John Biles fanboy. (laughs) And I'd like to start us off by asking you a little bit about your fanfiction writing background. Which is pretty extensive.
1: Yes, I have been writing fanfics since nineteen ninety three, not counting various stuff I wrote that was never put online before nineteen ninety three because I only got reliably online on a consistent basis in nineteen ninety
0: three. So you never occasionally wrote occasionally
1: done internet stuff before, but that was when I had reliable everyday access and so I started with ranma fanfics which I stumbled on ranma one half by accident at a sci-fi convention I went to go see a cheesy movie uh that oh, what was it called something like a uh, arrows invade Pittsburgh and uh <laughs> instead they were showing ranma one half and I was Stunned, but enjoyed it greatly, and that led me into writing fanfics, and that's where I started.
0: And so you were part of the very first wave then of internet fanfiction just in general, I would think, or at the very least. Uh,
1: I, I was part of the first big wave. The thing is, there were fanfics online before the World Wide Web, but not very many in part because so few people had access to the internet that, you know, the finding someone. But yes, there were six Ranma fanfic in the Ranma subsection of rec.arts.anime.creative when I posted <laughs> six. Now today, there's enough Ranma fanfiction You could probably read Ranma fanfics until you die.
0: You probably could. We haven't covered too much of it for the show, but it was such a big scene back in the day and back when I was kind of in my key reading fanfiction phase also that it's actually a pretty fruitful well for the show if I want to go back in the future because there were all those award sites, you know? Finding good stuff is not that hard. It was so copious and so kind of well reviewed and commented on compared to a lot of things
1: yes the uh i wrote probably somewhere between 10 to 15 stories where the Rand Macass played a a major role and that's stories as a whole some of those were multi-chapter projects
0: Mm -hmm. what would you say your first kind of big work or well-regarded work was in kind of your early fan fiction writing
1: well, my uh, my first, uh, really the very first thing I did by the end of it had a bunch of readers that was Putting Your Heart in the Right Place, which was mostly a straightforward random story with a little bit of people from other things just because I love crossovers. <laughs> they all mix in my head, so I can't help but uh, have them mix. Uh, but Sailor Moon Z... Children of an Elder God and Dance of Shiva are probably the three stories that have gotten the most feedback. Though my various uh, attempts that keep getting abandoned and restarted to do a uh, Tolkien-Silmarillion-slash-Evangelion fusion have uh, also been big. And I'm currently have been working for a long time on My Hime, which is set 23 years after the original My Hime, when all the characters have grown up and have kids and the chaos is starting.
0: You've written a lot, and I noticed that as a whole, you write a lot more crossover stuff than other things. You just mentioned that you kind of enjoy that sort of mixing. And even in yes, things
1: that are... I, I greatly love that kind of mixing. And even my ones that are mostly straightforward tend to have some degree of crossover element. Like Sailor Moon Z is mostly Sailor Moon plus some original characters. But there's also some crossover elements, uh, as you can see in the, the five chapters that you said. For sure. And six, actually, with the prelude for this. But uh, but yes, the a lot of my big stuff is either crossovers, fusions, etc. That's how my mind goes. I have but I have tons of single series projects that either finish or are unfinished. The uh, Sailor Moon Z was a sequel to, uh, well, not a sequel exactly, but in the same continuity as some short stories I did most of which were pretty much straight-up just normal Sailor Moon.
0: We but did actually read those... Brain
1: naturally fuses.
0: Right. Symphony of the Planets you're referring to, which is a set yeah, of... Symphony of the Planets. ...set of interconnected short stories. Yeah. We actually read that as one of our test things before we released full episodes. Um, oh, I, cool. I, but I'm not well, sure we... It is. that's helpful. It is, I, I, having read that more recently. Uh, I'm not sure audio survives of it. We lost a lot of stuff with a kind of Windows update that that destroyed some backups. Um, but in any case, it yeah, was at least fresher in my mind. Before we talk about Sailor Moon Z more fully, though, um, as you said, one of kind of the things that gets recommended most that you were involved in writing was Children of an Elder God. And we read the first, um, can't quite remember, six, first handful of chapters for it really early in this podcast I guess that was the cold harsh light of 2018 probably like it was like episode seven or
1: something (laughs) that feels like 2000 years ago at this point
0: it does some time ago and
1: children of an elder god I I did that with my friend Rod who I hang out with online we have a whole group of people who are fan fiction authors from the 90s most of whom don't write much anymore but uh we hang out and play online games and stuff And Rod and I did that Together the I've done two Big collaborations that Were successful and some Others that generally flop because The other people couldn't Keep up with me The uh, but uh, children of An elder God though We did differently than Sailor Moon Z children of an elder God we Typically outlined The chapter we outlined The whole series with like a one paragraph per episode outline. And then we outlined each episode with a one paragraph summary per scene. And then each of us would take the scenes we wanted. So Children of an Elder God flops back and forth between our writing styles a lot.
0: We didn't find that very stark though when we were reading it. I don't think it was something we even commented on. I was aware at that time, You'd said elsewhere online that you and Rod both kind of took charge of certain storylines, but yes. it felt fairly cohesive. Is that is that a part of the writing yes. process, well, or just from you're on together. the same page?
1: Because we, we planned out each chapter, that ensured that everything flowed together. But our actual style of writing is different enough that you could probably figure out who wrote which sections... Just by carefully going through and seeing how the writing style changes. The biggest difference, really, I would say between us is that Rod does more with sensory stuff that's part of the scene. And I tend to be a dialogue person. The uh, If I'm not careful, and much of that for me comes from the fact that in the early years of my fanfic writing... It was all script style. And uh-huh. that meant I ended up focused on dialogue and when I switched over as the fanfic community switched over from writing scripts to writing regular stories, the uh, that still influences how I write in that I I have a tendency to probably have characters talk too much and a lot of what I write is focused on the talking.
0: I see. And I, I feel like in, well, we'll get back to Sailor Moon Z later, but in the Reader's Guide, you mentioned that you're the one who also like likes to throw in cameos and crossover things when... Um, yes. Was that the case between you and Rod also? Like, if I see the characters from Winnie the Pooh personified, is that you writing it?
1: That is mostly me <laughs> writing it, though Rod... Brought some of his own stuff into it in that regard. But it's more prone to be me doing that kind of thing. I figured. Uh, Rod, for example, uh, there's a scene beyond the part that you read uh, there where basically a guy shows up, sings a song. And it's a song that Rod like heard on the radio and thought was pretty awesome. And we agreed that it fit pretty well into the story. So that showed up. But Crossover stuff, cameo stuff, really. Because in COAG, really, it's like cameos and jokes. And generally, that's me doing it,
0: more than Rob. Out of curiosity, is the song you're referring to, the one where it's Nyarlathotep and the song is something about a millennium?
1: It's Millennium, yes, by Robbie or somebody or another.
0: That specific scene has stuck in my head for decades. Uh, That's very strange to hear you comment it. That song. I mean yeah, I have no idea what the music is to it, but some of those lyrics just kind of got stuck there. I guess maybe he had the same experience.
1: That was a hundred percent that was hundred percent Rod's idea, but I thought it worked really well. And the club was Rod's creation. It shows up periodically in the story anytime there needs to be a club. Rod created that club. <laughs> and it was kind of his baby. And I, any scene set in that club generally was written by Ron.
0: I'd like to comment a little bit about my experience by the way, since it's coming up, and then lead that into a question. Sure. Which is just That's that fine. when I was reading a whole lot of fan fiction, which was probably early 2000s, like 2000, 2004, mm-hmm. um, you were one of the authors I read a whole lot of. And a kind of, a lot of those somewhat interlinked Ronma fan fiction authors and the various things that they did, so trans-Pacific fan fiction and um to flower and people like that i read a whole lot of those yes and you're definitely one of the authors that stuck in my mind a lot and i read a lot by you and mostly i think i caught up on sailor moon z at the time i caught up on children of an elder god there's other series of yours that i remember more or less clearly like the one that's just a sailor moon ranma crossover um and the other various things on your site which were also inspiring, like the kind of extensive Amber Diceless role-playing guide using Ranma characters and that sort of thing.
1: Yes, so I had a ton of fun with that. Also, the the players of the Ranma characters are based on characters from Knights of the Dinner Table, I if you're m- familiar with that. I think
0: I remember that, too. I am very familiar with Knights of the Dinner Table.
1: But yes, also, a lot of the stuff in there is based from either actual games or from this Top Secret game that I ran with some friends that after I tried to run them three or four times in Top Secret, I gave up because they they just couldn't hack it. The whole blow the place up incident, that's right out of the Top Secret game.
0: It seemed clear that some of it was from actual games you had done. But, <laughs> but yeah. what, I, what I wanted to lead to there also was that I said I had read up to, you know, whatever there was of Sailor Moon Z and Children and Elder God at that time both of those fanfics remained unfinished for a really long time, but you came back and yeah. finished them. And I found that kind yes. of surprising in both cases when coming back after however many years, like, oh, they finished Sailor Moon Z, or Children of the Elder God has been completed. Could you tell me a little bit about kind of what, I don't know, how that came about, but there were what gaps, but then in also that you finished?
1: is, both mm-hmm. of these projects started when everybody involved was in college, and had a bunch more free time. And then both of my riding partners basically ran out of mojo. The uh, They had too much work and other stuff. And, and I ended up in a situation where I had done my stuff. And then I'm waiting for them. And eventually Sailor Moon Z basically finished because... Okay, what we did with Sailor Moon Z was Jeff would write one chapter and then I would write a chapter. Only we started to get to where he would write a chapter and then two weeks later, uh, taking like two months, and then two, two weeks later, I would have finished my chapter. <laughs> and eventually, he just had me write the last couple of chapters because he didn't have time, energy, mojo, etc. to do it anymore. And then he just helped edit it. But be *Salem and Z*, we had planned out the outline of the series, but we uh, we each just wrote the individual episodes ourselves. You mean,
0: wait, *Children*? Oh so no, *Salem and Z*. Right, you took turns Sailor on *Salem and
1: those. Z*. We took—I'm sorry, *Salem and Z*. We took turns writing episodes. Unlike *Children of an Elder God*, where we divvied up each episode between the two. of them.
0: And so, *Children of an Elder God* the is the cases, one where you just kind of—no, wait. Sailor Moon Z, you said you kind of took charge and ended up finishing it yourself? Yes. Right. And
1: I also basically had to do that on Children of an Elder God, where the last couple episodes, uh, I just wrote almost everything, and then Rod helped me edit it. I see. So both of those, the reason they got finished, I was like, I am not going to let these giant projects die and I went to the pr- other my partner and said, "Can I just do the writing?" And they said, "Yes."
0: <laughs> now, we haven't even touched on what this episode is nominally going to be about, which is the content of the Sailor Moon Z, but I still have I have questions leading out of this. You refer to I mean obviously uh, so that's fine. Uh, obviously time and having time and energy when you're young and not having time and energy you know after college very understandable happens a lot but you you refer to writing mojo, and that seems to be something that you have a lot of, because you are very prolific. When you write yeah. things, you write long things. The most recent thing of yours that I read was Mistar Little Pony, the D&D My Little Pony Friendship is Magic crossover. Yeah. And I, I, I ended up not finishing it, not because I wasn't really enjoying it, but it was just so long, I think I got bogged down and distracted and that's just another, and you know, going back and finishing old, old projects, can you talk a little bit about how you write, or what writing is to you that you are able to kind of just keep it going over multiple decades of fanfiction writing?
1: Well, it's, different writers have different amounts of writing mojo, and that doesn't connect necessarily to how good of a writer they are, it's just something can naturally write like a maniac And others can't the, uh, I saw this great interview Where George R. R. Martin Was talking to Stephen King And he's <laughs> like Don't you ever have days where you're just Distracted and you can't Focus and you bang out Maybe 15 words in 10 Hours and You make calls that you don't Need to because you just can't get yourself To write and Stephen King Just says no <laughs> and, and so I'm you're more, more on the, the Stephen, Stephen King
0: side King. than the George R.R. R. Martin uh, some side. Some of it
1: is because I typically have multiple balls in the air at the same time. If I bog down on one writing project, I can go work on another one. But I think I don't know. It's I suspect it has to do with the amount of angst level in their life that writers have also. But also the degree to which other stuff wears you down. I do a job and I enjoy my job, though I have my days where it's like, oh, so you uh, didn't notice you had the wrong textbook for four months. But most of the time, enough of my distractions are gone that it gives me time and energy to work. uh, I'm not married and I don't have children, so that's also a big thing one of uh, Jeff is now married with kids and Rod just has a job that kind of I generally get the impression it sucks up a bunch of his energy so uh, whereas I don't have as much time to write as I did when I was in say graduate school but I still have a lot of time to write I was, in fact, while you were adjusting the technical difficulties, I was working on a uh, Glorantha fanfic. So,
0: I see. That's I one of those old role playing and, settings that I'm not really and, familiar with, but
1: uh, Glorantha is a fantasy world created by Greg Stafford. Uh, it was the world for the original RuneQuest. Oh, thing. it's the RuneQuest setting, yeah. And I'm, then it's been the setting for like. Three billion attempts to build a role-playing game that actually captures the Glorantha inside his head.
0: I've only he's, he's really encountered now, it. Then but it goes on. Yeah, I've only really encountered it in gameplay purposes in King of Dragons Pass. One of the
1: King of Dragons Pass is great. Uh, that is the best introduction to Glorantha. Really, is King of Dragons Pass, even though it's really only introducing you to one of many cultures. But uh, if you want to compare it to something like, say, Middle Earth, is Middle Earth is a fantasy world created by a linguist with some historical knowledge, and Glorantha is a world created by an anthropologist. <laughs> it's about culture, and anything that isn't related to culture is sometimes either ridiculous or... Uh, really, what what Glorantha really needed was uh, Tolkien to rise from the dead and redo all the names for them.
0: Uh, the, a barrier uh, to entry there?
1: The Glorantha has some... You can tell that all the names in Glorantha pulled out of someone's ass with no real concept of things like languages.
0: <laughs>
1: Whereas uh, the cultures are like incredible. Plus there's a certain amount of Glorantha has had a problem that when it was first created, it was not intended to be taken as seriously as it gets taken now. And so it has things that don't suit a serious tone, which I love, but with some Glorantha people go, ah! but, um, Anyway, but we're not here to talk about Glorantha. But it's a it's an interesting world, and I've written a couple of fanfics about some kids basically growing up in a uh, in a clan in Dragon Pass. So
0: well, cool. And yeah, that's that's impressive as a writer. I mean, I I'm certainly I've written very little. I mean, impressive as a writer, just to be able to like kind of switch it on or use the time that you have. I know. <laughs> I know, like you're saying, it's not necessarily speaking to the quality of the writing but it seems mm-hmm. nice to be able to uh to yes. turn your attention to it so readily and not not every writer yes. has I that i also
1: i also spend the the biggest shift in my writing over time is i spend a lot more time editing rewriting going over stuff the uh there's almost as much nahime future that will never see the light of day because i wrote 200 pages and then went, no, this is a disaster, threw it out and went back um, uh, on the stars. Little ponies, which you read the uh, the was originally. Most of the plot came in later. The original version of the plot was substantially different. And then I was like, ah, this isn't working and got trashed. The uh, and so it ended up undergoing a pretty severe rewrite before it even got posted, and the uh, whereas my early fanfics were very much write story save file post immediately.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of going editing. back,
1: and you can tell sometimes
0: the earliest stuff. <laughs> but speaking of going yeah, back and looking at old, say
1: like Sailor Moon Z got bounced back and forth between the two of us. So one of us would write the chapter and then the other one would do editing on it to clean it up and fix problems or go, okay, this was maybe not a good idea.
0: Hmm. Well, and then
1: maybe they'd change it and maybe not.
0: To look back at old fanfics before we move on to other old fanfics, was there anything that you wanted to touch on from... Children of an elder god. Since I know you've heard our our discussion of the first part of it, yeah.
1: Okay. At now least at I've one got, point let me you had. See if I can try to remember.
0: Yeah, at the, least one uh, point you indicated you might have had some comments about things that came up then.
1: Yes, I'm. I'm just. <laughs> uh, it's been a month, and I didn't write it down. And so let me let me see if I remember anything that I wanted to comment on. Children also... of an elder god was created. Because basically Halloween was coming up, and we were just having a free form conversation about what if the EVAs had fought the guns, And so then we decided uh, we would write a story, which we had not, which we had, uh, I had never collaborated with anyone other than Jeff up to that point. Salem Z had already been running for two or three years when I started working on Children of an Elder God with Rod, if I remember correctly. Because we did Salem Z, we started uh within about a year of the dub showing in the US. And then ninety eight, I think, is when Children of an Elder God start. Hmm. And the uh one of the things that we uh, did was I wanted to use more of, I guess, what you might call the Cthulhu Extended Universe. And Rod wanted to basically, if it's not in Lovecraft, we don't do it. And so we ultimately, I was like, okay. That still gave us enough great old ones to work with. the, uh, And I'm pretty convinced that we we kept getting better as we went along. The early chapters, I'm not ashamed of them, but later chapters are better as we got a better feel for what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Plus, neither of us had written a lot of action scenes, and it took us a while to get better at doing that, I would say. And I think I had other comments, but now... It's been long enough that I don't remember what they are. The uh, my favorite arc of the Children of an Elder God is ahead of stops. So,
0: <laughs> well, we might come back to it someday because I know the three of us enjoyed it and wanted to see where it was going, or in my case, remember well, where I'd it was going. I'd be happy
1: to talk about it with y'all if you ever come back to it.
0: Yeah, thank you for the offer. It's also interesting to hear you talk about that back and forth between you and Rod about kind of what your source material was going to be. Because it's true now that you mention it, it's all the only things that have appeared are things from H.P. Lovecraft written stories. But when I was reading it, I could really yeah. feel the Sandy Peterson Call of Cthulhu style, like more gameable version of the Cthulhu mythos feel to a lot of it, which maybe was more of your contribution.
1: Yes, the, uh, I have played Call of Cthulhu since the 1984 or so, and I love Call of Cthulhu, and I would have liked to work in some stuff from, Rod doesn't know any of that. Rod only knows it from the Lovecraft story, and so we stuck to that. The, uh, there's a handful of things that came in from other Mythos writers, but there's anything other than that is just largely a joke reference.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, but yes,
1: the... it is. Um, it because it's an Eva crossover gives it more of the Call of Cthulhu feeling because the nerve is you know. Actively fighting against the mythos.
0: Right, which is a very Call of Cthulhu type thing. Yes. Um,
1: Whereas Lovecraft's protagonists, most of them, though not all, are kind of blunder into something and get destroyed by it. There's a few exceptions, (laughs) like the Dunwich Horror, where it's actually is, here's our heroic band of investigators up against evil, and they win. Uh, the Dunwich Horror is really an unusual Lovecraft story because for once the mythos basically gets its ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it is in a lot of ways, it's kind of one of the root stories for Call of Cthulhu as a role-playing game.
0: So let's start talking about Sailor Moon Z, which was the fanfic I had... Yeah, you know, I mean, originally assigned for my group to read, but because of uh, worldwide pandemics and reasons, it's just me talking about it in the end. Um, as we've said before, it's the other big, probably one of the biggest, most well-received projects you worked on, and it was also a collaboration. And you've said it it grew out of something that you wrote by yourself, which was that series of five short stories about the... Uh, each of the Sailor Moon characters mostly uh, of the main inner senshi. At that time, did you have the idea that you were going to be continuing it?
1: What happened was this. Okay. What got me into Sailor Moon originally was that my friend Jeff gave me uh, tapes that he had recorded of the original dub release of Sailor Moon. I had been kind of aware of of the existence of Sailor Moon before that. And so I watched the tapes, some of them with Jeff and some of them at home on my own. And then I wrote Symphony of the Planets. And I had, then I had an idea for what became one of the main threads of Sailor Moon Z. The, uh, and Jeff at the same time was thinking about a project uh, that would uh that would become the other main plot thread of Salem and Z, and then we got together and because we were basically trying to help each other brainstorm, we realized we could combine it into a single story and then work together, and we foolishly assumed this would enable us to get it all done faster <laughs> <laughs> the um but my storyline is the zodiac storyline that was what i thought of as i was finishing symphony of the planets i thought of the zodiac plot and so
0: and let's set the uh, scene a little bit for that in we've only i only reread the first part of sailor moon z at this point but we've already been introduced to a villainous organization made up of Members coded to each, you know, Zodiac constellation in the Western Zodiac. And that ties in heavily, as has been hinted, but not yet really like uh, revealed by the point that I reread, ties in heavily to Naru. And it's a main kind of plot thread throughout the whole thing that Naru is a main character and kind of gets involved in the magical action side of things. Yes. Um, yes. When you say you were thinking of the Zodiac plotline, do you mean you were conceiving of them as a kind of villainous, antagonistic organization?
1: Yes, the whole plot with Nehru and the Zodiac was my idea.
0: I've got to say and I really like a... that part because the Zodiac works really well in an episodic format because they have a built-in yes. reason why you can encounter a different one of them at different times without Every needing episode, to ki- yes. without needing to kill each one and that is that they take turns and month by month coming into the greatest part of their power and you know that tends exactly to be the person who acts and executes a plan yep it's very now elegantly the other done plot
1: line which is only hinted at really has not really overtly come out in the part that you've read is the return of the dark kingdom plot line. Right, And there's a little bit of that in there because that plot line starts inside the story because Pisces is looking for critters to throw at the Sinchi and that's why the thing shows up and it's a Yuma because this is hinged off of Jeff noticing that Jadeite never actually gets killed. Beryl just locks him in a coffin somewhere... But he doesn't actually die, unlike the other three generals.
0: He's not the only author to have noticed that. It's definitely yeah, one of those there are main tons. Yeah. One of those main I mean, key points uh, of sailor. Moon one fan of the fan things
1: fiction. is, you know, Nero is one of the Sinchi and Jade returns are both plotlines that have launched a billion fanfics. Absolutely. That have launched a billion fanfics.
0: But this is definitely the one I remember most. So the most. result of
1: that is that, you know, we have our own take on it. And the Zodiac, I think, is a lot more unique, and I was pretty proud of them. And Jeff and I worked together to develop the Zodiac, the, the individual members. I came up with the idea of the Zodiac organization, and then we each created about half of a-
0: I see. And those are the two antagonistic forces that you know are kind of like villains throughout the series. And I they see how ha- the plot. And I see how you describe that as like the two major plot threads. So- We've
1: developed about half of the zodiac, and the uh, and then as we went along, we added some additional bits, I guess you might say, to the various uh, zodiac
0: members. Well, I understand those are the main plot threads, like you said, they drive the action. But thematically speaking, yes. going back and looking at this, I was reminded that it's very concerned with the silver millennium and about uh, reincarnated souls and that sort of thing. The prologue of the fanfic yes, is said is entirely... that is the major
1: theme of the story.
0: Yeah, so it seems. And um, I would say in a general sense, one of the things that struck me, rereading the first part of Sailor Moon C is that it's... Um, like, I'm a continuity nerd in terms of like consuming media and, and fanfiction about it, and... I, I imagine you two are or were too, because yes. sud- suddenly people remember and talk about events that happened in the past in Sailor Moon Z, when the series itself is very rarely concerned with talking about things that happened outside of its season, and sometimes it's not even worried about talking about things that happened earlier in the season, right? Right. And so suddenly people, you know, talk about that there have been different types of monsters and possible differences between them. They talk about characters that have disappeared, like Ryo, the the ami love interest from season one. They talk about the fact that they lived in the silver millennium and are reincarnated souls, which is pretty much a plot that's dropped after season one in the original source material and in the manga. And so there's a lot of that kind of suddenly the world seeming like it's more... Like it's broader as coming from the source material into this fanfic, or kind of more
1: the the revealing the past of the silver millennium is kind of a third plot thread in that it doesn't usually drive events tremendously, but it's an important thing. And eventually they go back to the Silver Millennium for a time and then return. And learn a bunch of stuff about their past selves. But yes, the whole taking the theme of reincarnation seriously. Because it really, it's just an excuse for them to have superpowers for the most part. For in, sure. In the, in the canon series. After the first season. And not have to deal- do the
0: heavy lifting for the establishing the romance, really.
1: <laughs> There's a little bit of uh, nothing from Sailor Moon SS is also tied to the Silver Millennium. But anyway, so yes, the past is a major theme dealing with the past, and it generated a lot of great fan art, of which there are a couple of examples that we have in here. The the picture of the Senshi with their lovers at the ball that was an actual physical piece of art that someone mailed to me. Oh, it wow. was like four feet long and two and a half feet tall. And she also did another picture, but that's from stuff later in the story. And then there's also the story of Jadite and Aurora, or the picture of Jadeite and Aurora. And then... Uh, Guy named Cap Z Man sent me the picture of Nero from the very first one. And I actually commissioned the last two that I put in the Discord uh, chat window the one of Nero at the window as Yusagi freezes, done by my friend Funari, and another piece by her of Monaco and Steven.
0: You're referring to fan art that can all be found on the series website, which is still hosted yes. privately. And I'm going to put a
1: link there. I have a gajillion pieces of fan art. One of the coolest things is someone sent me a pic in, I don't know, like 2000. And then when the series finished, they updated it doing the same picture. Only now they did it with their vastly greater art skills (laughs) of 2000 and whenever I finished this. So it was kind of cool to see the same pic by the same person. At two different times.
0: Oh, it's huh. very neat. And you can the find a link to the story website, by the bit. way, at bit.ly slash RFRSMZ. It's still posted on your personal website at thekeep.org, I believe. Yes.
1: Yes. Eventually it's going to go up on archive of our own because the Keep is not long for this world. Uh, the Keep is a, a computer which is physically older than almost all of my students. <laughs> The, it has been running since, like, 96. And so it is a it is ancient. In computer terms, it's effectively centuries old. It'd be like, you know, if we were communicating with cups on a string. Wow. But it, it's really old, and it's getting run down, and it, it has mental problems. And it probably will not be replaced, or if it's replaced, it'll be in some other way. So eventually, I'm going to have to move everything onto a different site.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's what Archive of Our Own is, is for. I think you can yes. even get fan art and such on there.
1: Oh, well, no, that would be great, because I've gotten more fan art for Sailor Moon Z than anything else that I've done, and I've commissioned some stuff including one that was, like, ridiculously expensive. The picture that's at the top of the Sailor Moon fan art page, that cost me $500 because it's by a professional illustrator. Oh. A guy who actually does covers four books named <laughs> Alan Gutierrez, who did that, and he did two pictures for my Hime future for me, and they cost a whole bunch of money, but they're worth the money because he's good.
0: Looking at the the Silver Millennium plot thread, like we're saying, the prologue kind of starts set there completely, centered around a ball, and introduces a whole lot of plot elements and setting elements. I notice, um, more so than other fanfics I can remember reading, you go in on complicating the political landscape of the Silver Millennium, in the in yes. the original source, it's kind of presented to us as a monolithic. Like, well, we got a ruler, and they rule, and everything's great. But you have, like, you know, five great kingdoms originally founded, recent events that one of them was destroyed, multiple kingdoms on Earth, not just, you know, Earth as a single monolithic political entity, and a whole lot of, like, various kind of uh, things about the structure. Oh, yeah, non-human races living in and around the Silver Millennium. Uh, a whole lot about kind of that setting, a lot of setting work put into the Silver Millennium, it seems. Jeff
1: and I spent a whole bunch of time brainstorming to flesh out the Silver Millennium. We're both historians. So we both come from that background where, you know, the past shapes the present. And so it was important to us to make the Silver Millennium as vivid and deep of a place as the modern world in which our
0: characters live. Mm -hmm. And And
1: so we invested a whole bunch of time and effort into it. Somewhere I'd have to find it. We have like a big timeline and a whole bunch of other stuff that we wrote up on it. So, yes, the uh, Jeff wrote the prelude and then I did editing. But all the background stuff is stuff we worked out together. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I... You mentioned you got a lot of fan art about the Silver Millennium stuff, and I can understand why. It's definitely something that I remember more clearly from the series, even the parts that I read a long, long time ago, is stuff happening with different, you know, species on other worlds or uh, having to do with that kind of silver millennium past it does seem like the the fact that you put a lot of work into it i think shows compared to a lot of depictions which are maybe more interested on making one specific point about their portrayal of the silver millennium or, or Queen serenity rather than making it kind of what i would call a a gameable setting
1: yes we we i have been game mastering role-playing games uh, since 1982 when i first ran keep on the borderlands for my friends and so i have a tendency to take everything that i write in that universe and try to turn it into a game of place
0: i think that comes through the silver millennium of sailor moon z feels like you could set a role playing game there no problem like you wouldn't have to do a whole lot of work to make the character yep. options and plot threads and or you know plot hooks and possible different settings to run around in start happening Um, But then after that, we probably won't be going through this story step by step, but I want to talk about things other than the prelude in Sailor Moon Z as well. That's fine. Episodes 1 through 5 or 6. go
1: however you want.
0: Sure. Um, The the first part of it that we reread has a lot to do with the characters entering high school, which is a very logical place to go. You've mentioned that you two only had access to information up through Sailor Moon S and you know, all they're doing in that season is preparing for high school entrance exams. So of course that's kind of where the story would be going, right? If you're not for some reason exactly. directing sailor, we Moon essentially to we
1: saw a little bit of SS and went blah, and decided that since access to anything past S was almost impossible at that point, the uh this being before easy streaming online and stuff, that we would just uh, we would go off from there and that meant it was time for them to get into high school.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to comment on thematically or kind of like in terms of how you're trying to take the character evolutions there by bringing them into high school?
1: The, let me think. Huh. It's probably there, been a while a too lot, since you wrote that. The, there, there's a mixture in Sailor Z of things for the characters that we thought about from script one and things that kind of emerged from the experience of writing where the characters basically took over and drove things in direction that we did not expect. There's stuff that, uh, like for example, we planned out most of the supporting cast at tsunami before we put, you know, a single word on paper
0: this is Tsunami High School, the, the high school. that up The characters more important are important
1: than others, and uh, we ended up adding a couple of characters for various reasons down the road, as we uh, went along. But in terms of the the character threads, we both kind of let that shape itself as it went along, which is to say, we we were, I guess, more plot driven. Mm -hmm. We tried to do good character work as we went along, but we didn't have as much of objectives in most cases. Now, the exception is Ray and Nero. And with them, we had an overall personal arc pretty clearly planned out because it was connected to the plot arc. Ray basically goes through a whole bunch of shit because... The, um, Jeff likes putting his characters through hell Mm -hmm. and Nehru's development from them to heroine was part of the plan. And with everybody else, we added some things at the start and then kind of saw where they went.
0: You touched on something there also when you were talking about, you know, developing the supporting cast at Tsunami High School where the characters attend and that sort of thing which is that the cast is enormous from square one, and it gets bigger and bigger. I was surprised. There were things I did not remember. I remembered some supporting characters who I knew were going to be coming later on. Like, I remembered Hime shows up from Himeko from Himei-chan's Ribbon, and is kind of like a semi-significant character. But I had forgotten a bunch of other things. And from the beginning, you've got the inner senshi, and like you haven't forgotten Mamoru, and there's Naru, and there's Umino. And there's, you know, Yuichiro, and there's, like, another character, Stephen, who first appeared in Symphony of the Planets. And they tend to hang out around another character, too. Like, Ray's grandfather shows up quite a bit early on. And then you go from there, and you're adding yes. more and more. It's, the, it's a little the overwhelming, honestly. The
1: first of Sailor Moon has a lot more supporting cast, and over time, they abandoned having recurring characters. And, like, people show up for that episode's plot and are never seen again. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I didn't like that. So we wanted I mean, everybody I mean, you know they have they do superhero stuff, but they live they go to a school and they have friends and there's people around them and we wanted to convey that. And plus it gives us a bunch of toys to work with so that people can have their own plots and then have appropriate characters for those plots. And to some extent, some of the supporting cast ends up strongly tied to one of the senchi, and some of them kind of bounce around and interact with multiple.
0: Right. Like, I remember Ami's roommate uh, at boarding high school there. Noriko. um, Noriko. uh, she, She interacts quite a bit with Ami, if I remember correctly, more so than others. Uh, yes. And then, like, Steven is Minako's love interest, but I noticed you also kind of gave him a chance to bounce off of Ray or have have a moment with her in this first few chapters yes. of the fanfic as well. Right, yeah, that all makes yeah. sense.
1: So, yeah, there's really, you might say, there's several levels of support in cast ranging from, you know, the ones that are most closely tied to the ones that are least closely tied. Mm-hmm. And uh, that let us develop personal stuff for all of the senshi, which is also, to a large extent, what tends to happen, and a lot of that is time-driven in the TV show. There's not time in a 24-minute episode episode, to let everybody have their own sub. You, at bare minimum, need an hour hour show to do something like that. But we, of course, can take all the space we want. And so we can give everybody stuff that's going on at the same time. But, yes, I tend to write stories with a bajillion characters. It's my nature. <laughs> I have written stuff that's a lot more focused. But generally speaking, I like to have a bunch. Because in the real world, unless you're fairly introverted, your life has a big supporting cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And some, I... uh, all of whom, of course, are the star of their own story. Right. But but yes, we, we introduce a huge cast, and some of them just don't get used very much. There are several people in the reader's guide who show up once or twice in the entire series because we thought they were cool ideas, and then they just never ended up being useful like we thought they would
0: but that's one of the pleasures of long-term storytelling is to get to feel those things out. Yep. Um,
1: yeah. It, yes, it's the, the real Sailor Moon Z is a mixture of tight planning and tremendous improvisation.
0: And I take your point about having the time because I was noticing like early on, especially I kind of thought in chapter one, a lot of characters with you have, with you having so many characters bouncing around, a lot of the characters are being written on the same personality beat or two at a relatively surface level uh you know form but you've got that time there's 25 mm. chapters of Sailor Moon Z and they get very very long and my i do remember like everyone gets stuff to do at least i i vaguely i don't remember anyone kind of just like sitting out or being neglected by the narrative to any major extent
1: yes they it's it's the the it's it's, you know, it, if you write short things, you need to very much focus or you won't be able to develop anyone. If you can write long, you have a lot more. Plus, we just got better at developing people as we went along and getting more chances to show different sides of their personality.
0: Now, you reread these first few chapters of the series, right? It's my yes. understanding. Uh, is there anything that jumped out at you that you would have done very differently with character development or, uh, or approaches or anything like that or that otherwise strikes you as something that was very much of the early 90s fanfic writing time?
1: There's, there's a few things where... Can I put this? There, there, there are a few points in the story that kind of are like very much nail this to a super, super specific time and place. And other stuff, generally there isn't a whole lot that I would change. The Jeff and I did not always agree on certain plot elements, and it tended to be very much whoever wrote the chapter had the final word. There's some stuff that... I guess I'd say both of us have a lot better understanding of women now than when we started writing this. And where I'm like, on that regard,
0: I did notice quite um, a lot of the uh, kind of long time in in the relationships, especially I was noticing a lot of kind of the gender tropes about, oh, well, the man kind of having, if not power, then like courage to like stand up and protect the female partner kind of being a reoccurring judge of their like worthiness to be in the relationship kind of thing you see it with umino and it's to a lesser extent Steven. yes
1: it's uh it's something that i think you would naturally worry about if you're dating a superhero but uh it also comes out of being you know a lot younger than than we are. yeah
0: understandable Still
1: learning stuff the uh about how relationships work and I don't have any humongous major regrets, but, you know, we both improved as writers as we went along with the story and learned more about humanity as well, I'd say. Because mm-hmm. uh, we spent, uh like, 15 years on this, something like that. Sounds about, sounds about right. Maybe even more than 15.
0: Yeah. Yeah that's a long time for a single written story to be a part of your life. Yes. So,
1: but yes, the men folk in this story, a lot of them kind of struggle with the whole problem of, you know, there's danger and I can't do anything about it. And how do I deal? Mm -hmm. That is certainly, that's common. Some of the male characters worry about it more than.
0: Right. And it's, And right, yeah, I guess you had to write a whole lot of teenage girls with the cast that you had chosen for this. And yes, I definitely noticed some other.
1: Because that's what the senshi are.
0: And I didn't take full notes, but I I did notice, yeah, some of that kind of like dated in terms of like when you wrote it, like you said, kind of gender presentation of them. Um, Wasn't I don't think there was anything that you need to fall on a sword about, though.
1: Yes, it's uh it's one of those things where some of that comes straight from things that are shown in the TV show and some of that was just out of our cultural context at the
0: time. Yeah, for sure. Oh, speaking of cultural context, I was amused. Yeah, there's a lot more information now about the Japanese education system than there was back then. But I was amused by the subplot in I think episode 2 about everyone being very worried about Usagi graduating junior high. And like yes i've taught in japan and you know you cannot go to junior high and graduate junior high like they will not you cannot fail in japan high school is a different matter but
1: it well it's more a matter of like the entrance exams for high right yeah that's the
0: significant part not the graduation from junior high but what high high school you can get into
1: Yes, but we were just keying off of what we understood of the Japanese
0: school system. Yeah, absolutely, Uh, which is totally understandable.
1: Which Um, neither of us has much uh, direct first-hand knowledge of.
0: I taught there for a few years, like, you know, assistant English teaching. Definitely had a student who only showed up at school, like a, a junior high student, who only came to school for special events or field trips, and otherwise was at home and, you know, the teacher would come and try to get them to come to school with no success and that sort of thing. But but that people don't get held back in the compulsory education in Japan. It's just not a thing. Um, any, anyway, no.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: o- obviously That's that is... I
1: was not aware that it was that much of, of a gimme.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's kind of a different attitude towards compulsory education where it's like the students have the right to the education But that also means like they kind of have the right to uh, like if you're in eighth grader, you have the right to go to eighth grade, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, they don't want you to blow it off, but but it's just like, yeah, there's no there's no point other than like safety reasons at which they kick you out or like that kind of thing. Um, Let's see what else I want to talk about in early Sailor Moon Z that we read here. Uh There's the high school element, there's a whole cast of characters. We already, you already touched on the two villainous kind of organizations that are coming in here. Without going into the plot points themselves, episode by episode, which I don't think, which I don't think we necessarily need to do since we were just, it was just kind of the setup of the story anyway. I may have hit all of the thematic content things that I wanted to ask you about. Was there anything else that struck you rereading uh, this first six chapters of the story that you want to share or comment on? The
1: the, uh, co- the looking at it, probably the weakest chapter in terms of plot is probably um, four is very much the here is Tsunami, here is a bunch of new cast people, and everybody kind of blunders around. And there's kind of a little bit of an action plot, but the main job is to just introduce everyone, which is always a hard kind of thing. And Jeff got stuck doing number four, trying to set people up. The, uh, the Ray plot had already started by that point with her losing her powers and then she'll get them back, but she's still struggling with it at that point. The, uh, and that keys into a few things there, but largely, like number four is uh pretty much here's a character, here's a character, here's a character, here's a character as they settle into to uh tsunami. The business with uh Ray getting moved to tsunami, and that's Pluto meddling. Oh actually let me talk about this. Sure. Salomon Z focuses a lot more on the inners than the outer. Mm-hmm. The uh the outers don't mostly show up until Sailor Moon S, which we had not seen as much of because the dub initially did not go that far, and it was hard to get episodes past that point. And we were not as interested in them as we were in The Inners, who we had watched two seasons of, plus pieces of the third season. And so they are there, and we do give them some stuff, but the inners get a lot more development than they do over the course of the story. They are definitely supporting cast. The uh, Let me think what else. Uh,
0: well, I think that's an understandable the- focus for a lot of fans. And like you said, especially back then where it was, Yes, you know, they are the main character of the series, but especially so if if you have only kind of barely or peripherally encountered the others.
1: Yes. The show itself did not know what to do with the outers most of the time after Sailor Moon S, So they um, absolutely they kind of got sidelined a lot in the original series, and I know people were humongous fans of them for various reasons, but we did not do as much with them. As we did with the Inners. And we do more later in the series. I had been able to see more of the things. Oh, Moon Hill Experiment House. That is a uh, Narnia reference act. Moon Hill Experiment House is the school from um, The Silver Chair, where Eustace gets sent, meets Jill deals with bullies and other things and then they go to Narnia and come back and beat up the bullies. That's interesting. uh,
0: I noticed the name Eustace show up in that context. This is a kind of like English private academy there. I noticed the name Eustace and was like, is that a Narnia reference? But I totally missed the name of the school.
1: Yes. But uh, it's it's right from that book. The uh, Moon Hill uh, ends up it's there in the first part of the series and then Monaco gets moved to Sami with the rest of the cast. The, uh, we basically did that uh, to develop some plot stuff and give Monaco a little bit of life of her own before we then moved her in with everybody. Monaco mm-hmm. always has a problem in the series that she sometimes... Uh, essentially functions as usagi with a different hairstyle and sometimes not and we wanted to give her some space to have some friends and do some stuff and for me to just go hog wild with my sillier side
0: yeah and her international experience is highlighted slightly which is like yes. kind of a nice thing to focus on since it's distinct not just from usagi or from any of the others
1: Exactly. She's the only one of them. These the outers. You get the vague impression that her that Herika and Missharu have been outside of Japan and done stuff, but it never becomes plot important, or almost never mm-hmm. becomes plot important. Oh, also Manami. Let me talk about a few supporting cast people.
0: Sure, and tell uh, us Manami, who's Manami,
1: also known as Idol Angel Mommy. Mm -hmm. is there to represent the kind of originals, kind of magical girl. Because Sailor Moon transformed the genre from girl gets magical powers, and it's essentially a metaphor for puberty, and often it involves transforming from being a tween into an adult, and then getting into trouble because you don't know how to handle adult stuff, to... The kind of magical girl that's more dominant as a narrative today, where it's female superhero.
0: Right, and so so you're referencing things like Creamy Mommy. Is there to represent
1: to represent uh, earlier ones, and indeed, she's named after one of the more oddly named magical Creamy Mommy.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be a good series, but it's a hard name to wrap your head around there.
1: Yes, it's occasionally the Japanese name things in ways that maybe works in Japanese, but in English sounds bizarre.
0: You see it in Sailor Moon sometimes, too, for sure.
1: Have you seen Bacano? I have not. Uh, Bacano is a really good series, but uh, most of the cast is American, and most of them have bizarro names. (laughs)
0: Like
1: Jacuzzi Splot. Literally, his name is Jacuzzi Spot.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: The um, but anyway, so getting back, so she's uh she's uh our tribute to earlier magical girls along with Himeko, who is from one of the classic pre Sailor Moon magical girl shows, one of the last ones before Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. the uh, Himachan No Ribbon, yeah. which I had to watch by going to a place in Chinatown to rent tapes that uh, had been dubbed into Chinese and subtitled in English.
0: I think I owned a couple of the fan sub VHSs of that series as well. I think that's how I watched it too, or at least the first eight episodes or so. Um, I'm
1: now having Arctic animation flashback.
0: It's a fairly deep cut, really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, let me think. Let's see if there's uh, anybody else who's a particular tribute. Uh, Chester and Polly were uh, um, created by Jeff, who I was about to call Mike for no reason at all.
0: These are characters who are yeah, together Gemini Chester of the Zodiac. Chester and
1: Polly, the, uh, to go uh, to be Stephen's nemesis and Monaco's nemesis. The, uh, most of the Zodiac I can't remember anymore. The uh, who created which one. To some extent, we developed them more as we went along. And so we, we had like a one or two line description, which would then get fleshed out when they appeared in the story. Uh, there's a bunch of generals that would show up later, and we developed those in advance. And I have fan art for almost all of them, which a one of our fans did pictures of almost all of the generals, which I was super pleased with. The TORG stuff doesn't show up until (laughs) later. Jeff and I both love TORG, and so the reason TORG becomes a major plot component, or maybe not a major plot component, but a plot component later in the series is because we both love that. I actually got an email from one of the creators of TORG who read the story, because he was internet searching his own name, stumbled on it, and was like, now I have to read this to understand the context.
0: Well, that's that's interesting. I remember that part, too. You're talking about Chapter 20 in particular, which is an extensive Sailor Moon Torg crossover. Torg being an old yes. multiverse-crossing role-playing game that I had never encountered yes. before reading this fanfic.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> Ryo names his character Greg Farsty because he was named Greg in the dub, but Greg Farshtey is also the name of one of the creators of TORG. And I remember... And so we did that as a kind of double joke.
0: This is how I most recently came into contact with you before inviting you onto the show, which is that I had a fan uh, TORG book, uh, like TORG doujinshi fan supplement that I ended up sending you. And I remember back in the day reading Sailor Moon I remember that.
1: That's very cool. It's on my shelf somewhere behind me. Turns, right now.
0: turns out there's a dark Which kingdom torque supplement also the uh oh, you know cool. f- fan produced in japanese and that might be hitting the internet at some point because the person from tuxedo unmasked the website got a copy and is planning on doing some stuff with it uh anyway oh that's cool i i remember when i was reading this fanfic originally thinking like why how is it that they're it seems like a stretch that they're playing this obscure like you know Western role-playing game instead of just like d d or Tunnels and Trolls or something that like I I know was popular in Japan But I was totally wrong because Torque did go to Japan and was as popular as anything And it's completely plausible that that would be yep, the game that, that he's why we super into. I had no idea until, you know, a decade later or whatever
1: <laughs> The world is full of surprises
0: <laughs>
1: But yes things things get around in weird ways I lived in Columbia for a year because my dad was doing his PhD research and we went, uh, I got enrolled in a boys school that hired my mom to teach so I got free tuition. So we go in there to enroll me and there's two kids from Plano, Texas who are also there enrolled in the school because their parents are Colombian and decided their kids need to see their relatives face-to-face for once. Wow. And so I go to Bogota, Colombia, and meet someone from Plano. I live in the Houston area (laughs) in Texas, which is a fair ways away, but still it was like a crazy coincidence. But, yes, things get around in weird ways and surprising ways. I got an email once from a French exchange student in Japan who one of his Japanese friends was reading my fanfic and hooked them up with it. I thought that was really cool, but the guy was too shy to actually actually email me himself to his Japanese friend. But that was kind of cool. But yes, uh, we had a lot of fun writing the Torg stuff for Sailor Moon Zine, And that was part of the original plan was, uh, was having TOR.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I kind of would have thought that was something that you decided once you had settled into it and wanted to make a big change, but it was always going to nope. be there.
1: Yeah, the, that was, that was actually, uh, that we, we wrote like, uh, one paragraph summaries. And I think in fact, they may all be on Jeff's site if it even exists anymore. The One of the things that became a little complicated at times was that we each had our own uh, website with uh, Sailor Moon Z. Yeah, it was hosted in and, two uh, places. And it's also right? the same with Rod. Rod created a much fancier Children of an Elder God site than I did. The... uh Complete with a big fancy animation and everything. Whereas mine was, here's your basic HTML and you're going to like it.
0: (laughs) Well, you, I mean, you had other things you were working on, like actually writing a whole lot. They don't all have to be a multimedia presentation.
1: But Rod works in computers, so that's part of it, is that he is a
0: computer dude. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And so he created this whole fancy login se- sequence that runs automatically when you go to the story site for his Children of an Elder God page. Only he's never updated it with the final chapter, oh, which aggravates me. But oh well, you do you do what you can, and you deal with the universe in which you live. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, the people will end up vanishing relatively soon. But, But yes, I'm trying to think of uh, a good example of the whole plot, for example, with Athena and Amy dealing with her past life is one of the things that developed as we went along. It was not part of. Of the original plan, though, all of them dealing with their past lives was. Mm-hmm. But we kind of further developed their past lives as we went along.
0: And Athena was Ami's past life self. That was her yes. name in the Silver Millennium. That
1: was her past life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was that, uh, And she struggled with it because one of the things we did was that some of them, their past life and their current life were so similar that there was very little internal conflict like Jupiter where it was just more of her past self was more confident but otherwise largely the same whereas for example Ray's past life thought spiritual stuff was Hoka and had a strong spiritual side or Amy trying to deal with the fact that uh, her past self was a lot more cynical about love and relationships than she was. Mm -hmm. And also a lot more experienced.
0: Well, John... The
1: uh, Monaco was fairly close to her past self. One of Usagi's major plot lines as a character is dealing with the duty side of her past that what's driving how you saw thing in the first five chapters and continues to be something she struggles with is that she wanted to have a normal life and she can't. And she doesn't having all that duty was felt very smothering when she was princess serenity and accepting it now is hard.
0: Yeah. And you touched on that even in just the parts that I was, uh, was reading, yes. I believe that was Princess Serenity's struggle in the past it hadn't quite yeah, caught up you, to Usagi in the present struggling yet struggling
1: with it in the past and the whole reason why she has so much trouble studying and so on is that she kind of wants this life to be a vacation <laughs> but you can't be on vacation all the time
0: well John I you're coming through mostly I'm getting the occasional like pop and such of, of sounds disappearing I think the rituals and, like, makeshift patchwork stuff that we use to get this working might be starting to fail. So I think I'm going to (laughs) wrap us up around here while everything is still functioning. Um, Still
1: functioning, okay. Ultimately, the, uh, the collaborating is really rewarding and really aggravating at the same time. But the good parts outweigh the bad parts. It's one of those things where really every writer needs someone who can counteract their worst flaws. (laughs) And part of what made both Sailor Moon Z and Children of an Elder God work is that in both cases, I had someone to help me overcome my flaws, and I could help them overcome their flaws, and we could produce something better together than separately. Which, in its own way, is also kind of thematic for the uh, the also kind of thematic for Sailor Moon Z itself, where people have got to learn to work together, and where they ultimately, you know, one of the plots ultimately ends in reconciliation.
0: I think that's a great thing to take away. I hadn't realized until starting this project that both of the series that I remembered you best from were your two major collaborations. Um, but I yes. think but I think you're right that, that there's a reason that they stand out among your works and got a lot of attention and, you know, fan praise and uh, and fan art and such. And that's probably a major strength of theirs. But they also, of course, share you in common. So I think you should be proud of them.
1: I am on the Usagi end of the personality scale. And both of my co-authors were more or less on the Hotoru end of the uh, personality scale, you might say, for those two stories. And so we could meet in the middle and have both darkness and light without it getting either too fluffy or too dark. (laughs) Though Children of an Elder God is much darker, than Sailor Moon Z, but it has to be because its source material is Sailor Moon is ultimately a very optimistic show, whereas in is a pretty pessimistic, show. and Lovecraft is more pessimistic. And Eva does end kind of, of with Shinji supposedly getting over his issues, except they didn't have time or money and. It ends up feeling kind of tacked on to me, but that's another story. Sure, I could rant about the end of Evangelion for like another
0: five hours. No doubt, a lot of people could. And uh, I mean, you know that that's more of like a yeah. that's more of like a good note to end on. But a whole lot of tragedy and terrible things have been happening in the background, even in any given Eva yes. ending as well. But yes, thanks for joining me for this short collaboration. I think it makes a really yeah, interesting listen-to for to anyone who has read Some or All of Children of Elder God so. or Sailor Moon Z*. i um, I'm kind of interested to hear more about the background and how these fanfics were made as well. Um, but I think... Uh,
1: I love talking about that. So.
0: <laughs> and thanks once again for bearing with us and sorry you didn't have more people to talk to. It was just me the whole time.
1: It's okay. Stuff happens. For sure. I understand that getting people together is hard.
0: Right now, especially. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to close it out uh, with our last kind of comments. This has been a special episode of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, an interview with John Biles and discussion of the first part in particular of Sailor Moon Z. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrsmz. At the moment, it's going to point to The Keep, which is John Biles' personal website. Uh we'll see how long that lasts, but hopefully you'll be able to find it elsewhere, such as AO3, in the future. Yes. If you're interested in going back to Children of an Elder God, our short link there is bit.ly slash RFR Children. And, you know, it's found at a similar place. And both of those series are complete if you take a look after gestating for many, many years. <laughs> As for this podcast, the intro song is "The Weekly Fair" off of the album "Poppy's Incredible Adventure" by Komiku. The outro song is "Run Against the Universe" from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly/retrofanfic. If you have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic facebook at retro fanfic reddit at fanfic retrospective we've got instagram where we are now posting the um the fan art companion for each episode tory's drawing a little piece of fan art to go with it on the system you can find them all archived there on instagram now and you can send us an email at retro fanfic retrospective at gmail.com or leave comments or reviews on the podcast service of your choice there's really just too many ways to communicate on the internet at this point we should pick one, but I'm Amato. There's where you say your name, John. Non-John I forgot that. Biles. That's a standard, right? The John Piles. We are just two Earth life forms born in the same country, trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. We might we might have actually been born in the same country. That was supposed to be a sailor moon. Open. We might not have, have actually been born in the same country. That was supposed to be a Sailor Moon opening reference.
1: <laughs> I was actually born in Montevideo, Uruguay. The, uh, my dad was doing his PhD research at the time. My parents are both U.S. citizens. And I've lived in Texas since I was two.
0: Okay, so not so actually born in other states. not actually born in the same country, except in a metaphorical, metaphysical yes. sense.
1: We're both Americans. That's good enough.
0: And thank you again, and take care.
1: I will.